Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, my friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Thanks so much for being here. It's a strange time in our politics, isn't it? We can't seem to get a, a clear answer from the libs as to whether they want unity, want to bring us all together, or want to silence want to purge, want to punish us for being over 70 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump this time around. You know, Trump got more votes after being president, millions more votes after being president for four years. So their whole referendum on how evil he is and how terrible he is didn't didn't really work out quite the way they thought it would. Yeah, maybe they still end up squeaking out barely in a pandemic year in election win. I mean, this is a little bit like winning the Super Bowl in the middle of a hurricane. Technically, I guess you win, but it's not really a normal contest. But there's all this rush now. There are, oh, why won't he concede? Well, as I've told you, if he conceded while there were still legal challenges going on, they'd accuse him of being duplicitous. They would say that he's being dishonest, And uh, that we can't trust his word, which they already say. They say he lies all the time. Once you've gone to a place where the entire Democrat Party and the media has been for for four years now of asserting that a person has no honor, no integrity, and you repeat it a million times, you can't then turn around and try to leverage the we will think less of you unless you do what we say routine. That's what the libs are doing right now. It's not going to work. Why the rush? Keep asking yourself that question. Remember when they tried that during the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation process? And they also used polls. That's right. Polls in the early days to show that the American people did not want her to be on the Supreme Court. Then the hearings happened, which is actually the constitutional process. And turned out the polls switched pretty dramatically in favor of ACB. But they were saying, why the rush? There was no rush. They had the hearings. It was fine. She was qualified. It's all constitutional. It is the process. And it matters. Right now, we are still very much within completely acceptable, completely uh, normal parameters in terms of process. No one's gone around it or outside it in the Trump campaign. We already know that there are such narrow margins in some places that there will be recounts triggered. Wisconsin, Georgia is going to do a recount by hand. And this will likely change hundreds, if not thousands of votes in those states, perhaps more. Let's see. So what is the purpose of, say, the Karl Rove op-ed in The Wall Street Journal? Don't ever forget, Karl Rove was the guy who ran around Fox News like a maniac with his little whiteboard saying that Mitt Romney hadn't really lost in 2012. Karl Rove is in many ways the epitome, the quintessential establishment Republican. He's a guy that wants to return to the old era where there are very well-paid consultants and TV commentators who go in and out of administrations for all of their political expertise, like, of course, Karl Rove. And uh, when they lose and when Republicans don't actually enact any policies that are conservative and when there's no mandate for them to do very much at all you know at least we do it in a gentlemanly fashion romney style lose get slapped around 
but then say, sorry, I hurt your hand afterwards with my face. That was the GOP approach before Trump. I know. I've seen it. You've seen it. Karl Rove wants us to go back to that because some people do very well in that system. They get on board seats. They get seven-figure contributor deals at major cable networks. They are still, while opposed by the other side of the aisle, it's understood that they're one of the players. It's understood that they're at the big boy table. So, yes, it's not surprising to me that Karl Rove is already saying that this will not change. Who cares? The experts were telling us what the polls were indicating before this election, and they were wrong, including a lot of pundits as well as pollsters. Wrong. Shockingly bad predictions. We got a couple of weeks left here before states even certify. Why, why not see what these legal challenges turn up? There is, there is quite honestly no downside to this, which is why there's such a frenzy among the libs in the media to create the perception of a panic. They need panic. They need fear. That's why they love the COVID pandemic so much as a political tool. They need to leverage the fear that people have so they can get what they want. So they, they trot out all of these either deep staters or rhinos. And of course, the entire Democrat aligned media is all speaking with one voice on this, saying that this is unprecedented, false. That's actually one of the favorite tropes, one of the, the things that the left has always done about, uh, about Trump that is so transparently dishonest. They'll say something's unprecedented, and then we find a precedent, but it takes maybe a few hours, maybe a day or two, before we start actually hearing from the other side about how, no, there is a precedent for what Trump did, and then they just move on. Pretend like they never said that. It didn't happen. It's just attack and then move to the next one. You know, they they show up, they do damage, they're dishonest about it, and then they look for the next target. That's how they oppose Trump. That's the the strategy that is being enacted here. And so that then forces us to ask, what exactly? What exactly is the benefit of caving to them? What is the benefit at this stage of saying, you know what? Fine, we're going to give up concede why Al Gore didn't concede in 2000 for what was it six weeks didn't concede and he was trying to make the system work in his favor in a clearly unfair fashion the the narrative you're told about 2000 is the Supreme Court just handed the election to Al Gore the reality is that state law in Florida and the the regulations that were in place from the Florida state legislature were look if you're going to do a recount you can't just pick a place you think you might get more Democrat votes and then block a place where you think there might be more Republican votes. You're going to do a recount. It's got to be statewide. You're determining who won that state. You don't get to pick and choose the places that will work for you, maybe, and shut out the other ones. That was the Al Gore team strategy. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. Sorry. The results are the results. There's never been a count ever of any kind that showed Al Gore ahead. Was he ruining our democracy? No, of course not. So what exactly is the argument here? It's all rhetoric, friends. Rhetoric meant to frighten people into thinking we're in some crisis of democracy. There's no crisis. We've got lawyers bringing challenges in court to find out who won this election. At the end of it, yeah, very real chance that we'll find out that Donald Trump didn't win. And maybe that means, and I understand this, 
that we just aren't able to prove a lot of fraud that did happen. I think that's a likely outcome, to be honest with you, that there'll be a lot of fraud, even if we find some that we never find out about. How do you prove this stuff? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to start doing fingerprint analysis and, and handwriting analysis on millions and millions of ballots, right, to see if we can find 5,000 here or 10,000 there that are fraudulent or that weren't actually signed and voted for by the people that are supposed to be. I, I, I don't think that's going to work. I know the Trump campaign suing in Michigan to have over a million ballots looked at very closely, perhaps even thrown out. I know that they're doing a hand recount in Georgia, that Pennsylvania something stinks. And here's the other part of this. We should remember what the media has done to us in the past. We should remember that they do not act in good faith as we go through this process because they are trying to use the good faith of conservatives against them right now. Come on, just do what we say. It's about our democracy. It's about a peaceful transition of power. This is what the founding fathers would want. They're, they're playing this game. They're poking with all this. Meanwhile, they didn't accept the 2016 election, and it went beyond just words. They schemed in the deep state to create the grounds for a special counsel investigation, the Russia collusion investigation. They sent people to prison because of it, all based on lies, Democrat paid for lies, Hillary's DNC, as we all know, they didn't accept at all. In fact, that was a real internal coup effort. And yet they're referring to this now as a coup because we won't cave, because we won't bend the knee. Why? Why would we do that? What, what benefit is there? If you read Karl Rove's op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, the question that you should ask him is, okay, Carl, so what? What, what are you trying? But he, he wants that pat on the head from the establishment. You want that, okay, you're not what you want, a Wall Street Journal editorial, right? Oh, you're, you're one of the good ones. You're not one of those Trump dead-enders. Sorry, there are about 72 million Trump dead-enders out there who want to know what really happened here. You know what the worst-case scenario is? The worst-case scenario is that the Trump team brings these legal challenges they go through the courts, they're unsuccessful, and then the Biden administration takes over. And that could be pretty bad for America, but in terms of the system, it's exactly the way it's supposed to work. The founders built in all kinds of, of safeguards and, and additional pathways. Even if we had a 269 to 269 tie, which we won't, but even if that had happened, there's a way to get out of that gridlock. The House of Representatives intervenes, and if the House of Representatives can't figure this out. You know, eventually the president of the Senate comes in. I mean, there are processes here and we're going through them because that's what we have. And we all operate within that framework. Don't trust the people who are telling you that that your vote as a Trump voter, that your political beliefs as somebody who supports this administration don't deserve due process and don't deserve their day in court. Sa says who? On what basis? They're trying to bully you. They, they rejected 2016. The Democrats rejected that election. They tried to use a coup to get rid of the president. And now they want to bully you by saying, come on, operate in good faith. Just concede. Just bend the knee. What have we learned in the Trump era? With the left, when you bend the knee, they just take your head. They say, thank you for your confession. Now we take you out and punish you even more. 
because you've agreed about your wrongness. It's no advantage, no benefit, no reason to do it. Don't give them what they want. Let's see. If they were being honest, you know what they would say? Okay, we're, we're happy because this will just solidify the mandate that they're going to claim, even though it's a razor-thin election victory for Biden no matter what. This will solidify his mandate by we went through these, these checks, we looked for fraud, didn't find any. Now, of course, there is some fraud. People have been talking about this for days. I had Sean Parnell on the show. He's in Pennsylvania. He says that they found, even in his one congressional district, dead people voting. Dead people voting is something that needs to be explained. The people in the media, they're saying there's no fraud. There's nothing to see here. There's no problem. They need to explain how a dead person votes. Because if unless they can do that, there is fraud. So... Their initial premise that there's zero fraud. I know the New York Times front page yesterday says officials find zero fraud nationwide. That's a lie. And when people lie to you and when they've acted in bad faith and expect you to act in good faith when it's in their interests, you should be very cautious. You should understand who you're dealing with. There is absolutely no reason for Trump, for the campaign, for the movement to do anything but fight on. That's the plan. We're going to execute on it. And all of the efforts to you know, emotionally blackmail Trump voters into saying, fine, we give up. No, we give up when the process is done and we get answers one way or another. Until then, everything else they're saying and doing in the media, all these Democrats that are claiming that this is a coup, it's just noise. It's noise from people who don't have better arguments to make and are so emotionally invested in the defeat of Donald Trump that they don't care how much they are embarrassing themselves, their credibility, all of it. That's what we see now. We keep the fight going. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. He's going to continue to tweet. He's going to continue to drive the information flow across the vast propaganda networks that have supported and surrounded him. He'll be a tremendously pernicious force in this country for a long time to come. I mean, Stephanie, we it is it is definitely feels more like Moon over Parador, the movie, than it does a real coup. But this is a coup of sorts. We've never seen this in this country. This is a legitimate election, a fair election. Joe Biden has won the election. And every other year in the modern history of the country, the losing presidential candidate would have called, would have conceded. Everyone would have acknowledged it. And on we go. That's what we do in America. So this is is an outrageous situation. But Steve, it's not a coup. It's cuckoo. Oh, ha ha. So clever. Uh, Schmidt used to be a GOP consultant. He comes from that Karl Rove school. Who writes the biggest check? That's what I stand for. Yeah. Steve Schmidt, everybody. Now part of the Lincoln Project. You know what the Lincoln Project did earlier this week? Shared from their Twitter account. Remember, they raised all this left-wing money and have bought all this publicity and media with leftist money that's meant to, you know, destroy what Republicans are supposed to believe this country is all about. So they used that money. I mean, effectively, think of it like taking money from George Soros to represent yourself as the real conservative. Hmm. That's what the Lincoln Project's all about. They shared the personal 
uh, email address and phone number of two lawyers working from a top law firm for the Trump campaign on these uh, recount issues. Doxed them. Twitter actually took action against them, but that's who these people are. They want to lecture you about good faith and and call this a coup. I mean, Steve Schmidt is a moron. Honestly, not a smart person. Amazing that he's had the access and career he has, except look at the John McCain campaign. I mean, it was an absolute disaster. But a coup? How? Explain that. Why is it a coup? Notice it's all resting on their interpretation of Trump's words. Oh, Trump's words are so scary. What has he done that is coup like? Has he has he sent out the Secret Service to arrest people that are speaking out against him? I mean, they refer to Trump as a dictator and a fascist and say he won't leave. He's the first dictator in history whom everybody in the media who speaks out against advances their career and takes zero risk whatsoever professionally, never mind to their safety. Nothing but upside to being a Trump trasher in the media. And he's a fascist. Do do they know anything about fascists? Again, these people are venal and clownish and just dumb. Don't say, oh, but Buck, why, why have they been able to create these platforms for themselves? Why? Why has the Lincoln Project? Why have these other people who go on MSNBC and say that they were you know, Bush administration officials and now they're trashing Trump? How have they gotten where they are? If you have no scruples, if you have no decency, morals or ethics, you have a lot of latitude. You have a lot of ability to maneuver to benefit yourself. That's what's going on here. There's nothing impressive about it. It's like being the most vicious, ruthless thug on the block. It's not the same thing as building Microsoft from the ground up, even if you do turn into a profitable venture as a drug kingpin, let's say. It's not because you're some genius, but a coup, how? It's within the legal process, and no one who knows the law of the Constitution would say otherwise. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. I almost want to give the libs some uh, credit for creativity because there are so many things that they say now. There are so many different schemes they're uncovering. So many enemies to take down because the president is asking his campaign to bring legal challenges against uh, possible voter fraud and, and irregularities in the vote count. Evil stuff. Oh, it's such a, a terrible thing that's going on. And it's not just the president, right? They're going after other people, too. They're even attacking the attorney general. I mean, here's Senator Blumenthal, really somebody who anyone who has ever voted for this guy in Connecticut, Senator Blumenthal, should be embarrassed. I mean, he's an embarrassing person, but they keep voting him into office. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know who casts a vote for this guy and thinks they're doing a good thing. I'd like to meet that person. This guy Blumenthal is just slimy. But here he is going after one of the finest, uh, finest lawyers and legal minds in America, Attorney General Barr, play eight. I am deeply troubled, as my colleagues are, by the statements made by Attorney General Barr, who, again, is acting apparently as a puppet of the president rather than a lawyer for the American people. He is throwing gasoline on the fires of false claims of fraud, fueling doubts and undermining faith in the integrity of our election process. There are no facts or evidence that justify an investigation. He knows it. 
but he is giving a patina of credibility to baseless and destructive accusation. I would suggest respectfully that Attorney General Barr has taken his office to a new law and the ramifications are profound and dangerous for our country. This kind of scaremongering is no substitute for the truth. What the heck is this moron talking about? I really think about that for a moment. What is this United States senator saying? The attorney general put out a statement saying that if there is real reason to investigate fraud, then the DOJ will do that. He also specifically said that fanciful or or non-credible even early indications are not enough to open an investigation and, and look into this. So we need something real. But yes, we, that's what the law says. Notice that they never tell you that. Election fraud is supposed to be investigated by the Department of Justice. This isn't some new idea that Barr came up with out of nowhere. This isn't, isn't some random thing that he's doing just because he's trying to help the president out. But they lie to you. They lie to you anyway. They just don't care. Here's an example of a lie. He says there's no evidence. You heard him very clearly. The sitting United States Senator, there's no evidence for fraud. Okay, he must believe in mass resurrection then because we know that people voted who are dead. We already know that. I have not heard a single explanation of how that happens. That would not involve somebody getting a dead person's ballot and saying, "Man, I'll, I'll send this one in on their behalf. Is there another explanation? I mean, use Occam's razor on this one. Is there something else that makes sense? Is there something else that we should be thinking about here? Hmm. Tell me, please. I'm, I'm so curious. I, I would want to know. But you're not allowed to ask questions. Shut up and unify, they tell you. Unite with us or else. Just like all totalitarian regimes, that's that's the approach. That's what they want to do. And we have to hear from among the 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 dumbest minds in American politics, like Kirsten Gillibrand. Play three. Well, President Trump is just kicking and screaming like the child he often is. And while he's entitled to file lawsuits, ask for recounts, the reality is, is that Joe Biden won this election. And the fact that they're unable to have an ascertainment of this election and not eligible to start the peaceful and um, critical transition that has gone on efficiently in every other election is really going to harm the United States. No, I, I think that that's all bull. <laughs> I think that what she's saying is nonsense. It's all it's all going to be fine. If at the end of this process, Joe Biden is the president, they'll have plenty of time and plenty of ability to get up and running. Joe Biden's been in public office his whole life. He's already been vice president for eight years. What, what are they really what critical national security endangering, uh, you know, slowdown are we really talking about here? What, what is there? Doesn't have anything. Doesn't have anything. They just say this stuff. I can't imagine hating somebody that I've never that I have no personal interaction with, really. Or even if they've met Trump, I know Kirsten Gillibrand, I'm sure, has talked to him before, but that there's no personal animosity between them. Right? Trump hasn't wronged her. But I just can't imagine hating somebody with the same unhinged ferocity that the libs hate this president. It's like nothing else I've ever seen in American politics. I mean, I find Trump affable i mean i think the guy is really entertaining 
I think he he's very he can be very warm, very ingratiating when you're in talking to him in person. He obviously became president because he has some political skills, so he's able to connect with people and he does he does have a you know a, a common touch. That's that's true about him. They hate this guy. They find him to be such such a a terrible person and a big part of this I think we all have to understand is because of what he does to their sense of who they are. Donald Trump is not supposed to be in the position he's in, and he calls into question what people like Kirsten Gillibrand think of themselves, that they're, they're, this, they're this ordained elite that are meant to rule over the rest of us, and they have some brilliant vision of the future. If only we would stop standing in their way. And that's laughable. These people are clowns, folks. People are a joke. There's no vision for the future that's going to make everything better. Just empower government more. Put more bureaucrats in charge of your life. You know that feeling you get when the TSA is slowing you down at the airport and you know that this is dumb and it's all just security theater? Kind of like we're going through a lot of COVID theater now, but you know that just that that frustration where you just want to say, who the blank thought this was a good idea? You know, why are they, you know, now the machine is broken. They got to get someone else on the shift or there's some problem. You're just like, what? That's what dealing with government is, because nobody cares. No one. There's no one to complain to. No one's going to come and help you. You just hope that eventually they stop making you suffer. That's what having the government involved in your life really means. But they, they don't they don't agree. They don't see it that way. Uh, they, of course, think that our side is full of of morons. Um, although Bernie Sanders here, kind of a backhanded compliment to Republican senators. Bernie Sanders, I miss him because, you know, I want to be able to do the Bernie Sanders voice on the show that unless he comes back, unless he's out there making the case to the people, how can I make the Bernie Sanders voice? Play two. Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, told CNN he's hearing from some of his Republican colleagues who wish to congratulate President-elect Biden, but say they can't do that publicly yet. Are you having similar conversations with Republicans behind the scenes? Look, absolutely. You know, the average Republican senator is not an idiot. They understand that Trump has lost. But one of the other things that we should all be nervous about and fearful about is the degree to which Trump intimidates and scares the hell out of Republican members of Congress. They are afraid to stand up to him. So you got a a party, not of individuals, but almost a cult-type party, where members of the Senate who know better, not just on this issue, on many other issues, they'll come up to you privately and say, yeah, Trump's a little bit crazy. So, you know, I I think I would hope, I don't want to, Republicans won't take my advice anyhow, I know that, but I would hope that they get the courage to stand up as individuals, represent their constituencies, and do not live in fear of Donald Trump. It's not a good thing. We don't live in fear of Donald Trump. Just just want to see what they find here using the legal process and going through the mechanisms that they have. Just want to see. Like I said, we throw, we're in a football game. We've thrown a challenge flag. That's it. They don't want us to be able to throw the challenge flag, but those aren't the rules. We've thrown a flag. We'll see. If they're not able to find any any widespread fraud in the next couple of weeks or so, you know, it's it's going to be tough, folks. I mean, we're going to have to at some point say, all right, somehow. 
We either weren't able to prove the fraud, which it's not in court, as you know. It's not about what is, really. It's about what you can prove. And we'll have to go from there. But all of this, this hysterics around it, why can't the libs just focus on what a Biden presidency would do? Why can't we hear just more of the vision for the future and how we're all going to be told, oh, my gosh, Kamala Harris, she's going to be on the cover of every magazine, the most fashionable, the most brilliant, the most wonderful vice president in the history of the country. We all know that, right? Even though we're all sitting around saying even Democrats didn't really like Kamala Harris. In the primary, even they realize like eh, she's kind of a ruthless, conniving, does whatever she has to do to get ahead. Not particularly charming. And she's already got her husband getting ready to take a senior role in the administration. And I'm just going to tell I I'm just going to say this one time. Well, no, I'll probably say it more than that. Told you about the nepotism thing, folks. I mean, I can't I'm not I can't complain about Kamala Harris. Uh, you know, at least I can't make the case publicly about Kamala Harris bringing in her husband and she can make him senior White House advisor, senior vice presidential, I don't know, liaison to you know, whatever she wants. And we really can't say anything about it. And people, I remember I brought this up. I said, we're setting a standard here on nepotism. People didn't want to hear it. Trump supporters didn't want to hear it. And I said, guys, I, we, if we don't draw a line on this, that's fine. But just understand what it's going to mean going forward. And that's now we're there. Now we're there. And people said to me, Buck, Trump needs people around him. He can trust. He needs. Well, guess what? And Kamala is going to say she needs people around her. She can trust too. Her husband is now going to be probably determining how long the covid lockdowns last or something. So this is this is what happens. It's why principle is important, friends. Understanding what is true, irrespective of who benefits from that truth and then holding ourselves to that standard. It matters. It matters. And I'm sorry, but on the on the nepotism issue, we 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 abandoned. Look, it's not a huge deal, but we did not hold fast to that. Let's just our side. We live in reality. We speak the truth. Let's be honest about that. Um, but there's also another honesty, which is that the popular vote is a joke. It doesn't mean anything. There is no popular vote contest. But the libs still talk about this all the time. Play one. You know, 12, 15 hours after she had won the popular vote by millions of votes, but she knew that the 77,000 vote margin in the three upper Midwestern states would not be erased by recounts. And as hard as it was for her to do it, she put the needs of the country over her own needs. No, she lost. And there was no belief that she would be able to win any of these states if there was a recount. No, she lost. The popular vote is not the contest that's run. If it was, Republicans would spend a whole lot more time campaigning in places like New York and California, which they essentially write off every election cycle because they can't use scarce resources in states that they have really no realistic chance of winning. So that's a different game. It's like sports are useful for this. It would be like saying, well, no, it's not four quarters. It's first team to 100. Well, no, when the fourth quarter ends in basketball, that's whatever the score is, is who wins. It doesn't matter that you haven't gotten to 100 yet, right? This is what liberals do. They just keep changing the rules as it suits their immediate political needs. And then they turn around and lecture all the rest of us about how Trump is a big baby and he's terrible. Nonsense. Garbage. Lunacy. That's what they do. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com 
And remember to subscribe to the podcast. You're really seeing who these individuals are in the media and in politics today. You're seeing what their character is, their lack of character, really. As they think they've gotten this huge victory of a Biden presidency. And if they could only just wait a few weeks, it may, it may be the case. I'm not sitting here telling you that these legal challenges have worked. I'm telling you we need to take these challenges as far as they can go. We need to understand what happened. There's a lot of fishy stuff here. And they can tell you it's not, but they're lying. Just like they lied about Trump being a Russian stooge. I remember who these people are. I remember what the opposition did to this president. I'm not forgiving. I'm not forgetting. Because they largely got away with it, friends. So now that they think things are going their way, it's all, hey, why can't we all get along? Be unified which means shut up and do what we tell you. No, I say uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Here's a, a classic moment with Bro, Bro Cuomo. He's a journalist, a journalist and a weightlifting enthusiast. Play clip four. This goes way beyond Trump. Trump is toxic. Surprise. However, the real surprise is the blame that must be put on those who ignore and therefore empower. And those who say this should just run its course. Running its course means transition. And they know it. I'm telling you, remember the people who are enabling this fraud. They must answer for defending Trump's delusions. They are remaining silent when it matters most. Most Republicans in Washington, did you know, they won't even say president-elect Biden in public. You know who else is doing that? Vladimir Putin, President Xi, and Kim Jong-un. Great company. Oh, that's right. It, it transitions right away. If you, if you don't agree to call it for Biden already with these, they're razor-thin margins, folks, in a lot of these states. You look at them, we're talking 10,000 votes, 15,000 votes. This could swing a state. Look at Arizona. Of course, Arizona was called way too early. Also would have changed the whole perception too. imagine going into election night. If Trump had won errors, if, if Trump hadn't had Arizona called for Biden, it would have shifted our whole perception of how how plausible it was to fight it out in some of these late counting states. But yeah, Fox made its call It was the wrong call. Obviously, they didn't know. Now they're just praying they end up being right just by luck. There was no mathematical projection they could have looked at to show that Arizona went for Biden. But I, I have to love this a CNN anchor telling us that if you won't cave, if you won't give in, you're basically doing Russia and North Korea and China's work for them. First of all, if you're going to have Joe Biden as president, I would stay away from talking about selling out to China. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good move. Uh, we're not going to forget about the Hunter Biden stuff. I will tell you, though, as I said all along, uh, that the, the media blackout on that worked. The only people that heard about that were conservatives and the only people that cared were conservatives. There was not a single person you can point to or find who says, oh, wow, Hunter Biden is a screw up who was trying to sell out his country and use his dad for access. And Joe Biden knew about it and said, eh, I'm going to vote for the other guy. I don't know of a single case of it. Maybe it happened, but huge conservative media fixation on this and it does remind me of other times when what gets ratings for the conservative audience doesn't always move the needle in politics you see what we what was working was 
Trump policies that were appealing to uh, black and Latino voters in unprecedented you know, numbers in my lifetime for the GOP. There were other way, ways to go at this. Turning out more of the white working class vote in these key states. And that should have been more of a focus, more of a messaging appeal. But we spent a lot of time on the Hunter Biden stuff anyway. I try to, I try to tell people. Uh, you know, I said it all along. You know I did. I said, it's interesting. We'll cover it. It's worth knowing about, but it's not going to move any votes. So, you got uh, Bro Cuomo saying you're, you're doing what the dictators, the foreign dictators. Who, I mean, who cares whether they call Joe Biden the president-elect or not? And, and this, this whole idea that they're going to remember, they're going to hold this accountable. Okay, the, you know what, CNN, hold me accountable. First of all, I'm not being quiet. I'm saying fight this thing out to the end, to the mat, to the max. On, on every platform I have, as many places as I can say, and I'm being very clear about that, and I'll stand behind that no matter what. Yeah. The motto of the show is shields high. It's not have a shield sometimes unless you're going to catch too much heat and then run away from it. But is CNN going to be held responsible for its direct role in creating the grounds of an attempted coup, which is what the Russia collusion lie was? Fake Tapper and others over there working with former government officials that they then paid off, put them on the payroll. Does anyone think that Brennan and Clapper are good TV analysts? Really? Oh, they had senior titles. There are a ton of people in the government that have fancy sounding titles that don't know squat. And they certainly aren't good on television. But you got to pay off Brennan Clapper. Get the leaks you can from them about what they think happened with Trump and Russia. Run with them as anonymous senior administration official stories and try to bring down the president of the United States. When uh, when you had Bush v. Gore, you know that, yeah, they gave intelligence briefings to Trump, but not the PDB. I'm sorry, not to Trump, to, to Bush, not the presidential daily briefing, as I understand it looking back on the history. Uh, so they, that's the only thing that's a president you really want to see. The other stuff is, come on. If you, if you read the front page of the newspaper, you pretty much know what you're going to get in lower-level intelligence briefings. I, I hate to burst everybody's bubble. There's not some team of geniuses coming up with amazing analysis and you know really fancy stuff that's going to change your perception of the world at the secret level. You know, the PDB has some interesting stuff, which is the president's daily briefing goes to the top government officials. I used to write for it regularly when I was in the CIA. But even that sometimes you're like, man, I kind of knew this. I'm just telling you the truth kind of stuff that you're like, man, not a big surprise. But there's such a, a push. And I don't ask just for rhetorical reasons, the why the rush. I also really want to know. <clears throat> They clearly don't want this process to go forward. And, and ask yourself this. If we found evidence of widespread fraud, if in fact that happened, do you believe for one second that any of these voices, any of these names out there that are saying the president's engaged in a coup and this is all a lie, do you think that they'll apologize? You think they'll say, oh, wow, we were wrong. There, there is actually some fraud here. no. I can guarantee you right now what they'll say is there's eh, always a little bit of fraud. Not that much fraud. Let's move on. They want a result, friends. There's no principle here. There's nothing they can point to 
Uh, I mean, to say that, oh, we need more time for a Biden transition. Biden can do whatever he wants. He can set up whatever appointments he wants. He can talk to whatever, you know, he's a he's a free city. He's a free American citizen. He'll do whatever he wants to do and whatever conversations he wants to have. Forget about the Logan Act. That's only used to prosecute Republicans, as we know. So what's the big problem here? They tried to sabotage the Trump transition openly. They sent in. FBI agents to go after the National Security Advisor based on the Logan Act and some flimsy, oh, but Russia something or other. Yeah. They used the resources of the government to spy on the Trump campaign and then to try to go after members of the Trump campaign with law enforcement resources in the final weeks of the Obama administration presidency. It's the most appalling disgraceful political scandal of my lifetime. And they want to lecture us on transition now? Supposed to sit here and hear from all these oh-so-smart fancy media types. I just, it's amazing. Really, the media is full of a lot of very dumb people. It's kind of sad. I don't know what it is. It's like we get all the second and third tier students from second and third tier colleges uh, and then we're supposed to believe every word they say. I don't know. That's that's the way it is. No, we understand why they're calling for the the speedy conclusion of our efforts to get to the truth, um, and meaning that we have to abort our efforts to get to the truth. We're not allowed to get to the actual conclusion. We're not allowed to take this to where we want to, and it's because they've already set up expectations that I don't think they'll be they'll be able to uh, they'll meet when, with the public. No fraud? Really? 150 million votes cast, give or take, and it was all just fine? I mean, think about that. Yes, we're finding dozens of people who are dead who have voted already, and they were clearly dead. Obviously dead. Right? Proven. And no one even tries to answer how that could happen. That seems very weird, doesn't it? But then you have to remember that we were told and that the narrative, the dominant uh, media narrative during all of this was that they were hoping um, they were hoping to convince as many Americans as possible that Donald Trump was a unique threat to the future of this country. And I think a lot of people do believe that. I actually think a lot of members of the media have have brought themselves to believe that they think that that's somehow true. And if that were the case, if I believed that a president was a fascist, a dictator, and I was in a position to scan in an extra hundred ballots against the fascist, would I regret that if I did that in, on my deathbed? If I really believed the president was a fascist, he's going to round people up, put them in camps, shutter opposition press, you know separate families and you know i don't know be a white nationalist supporter all the stuff that they say about him if i believed that wouldn't i think it was a righteous thing to do to fill out as many ballots as i could knowing the chance of me being caught is about you know just slightly above zero and even if i were caught doing that where are you going to be prosecuted you really think that in these blue parts of the country Cheating against Trump in the election is going to get you a long prison sentence? No. No, friends. A Republican somehow in any of these places 
would find themselves on the wrong side of a 10 year federal term. But if you're a Democrat and you cheat in Philadelphia, you you think the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia, when they find out about this, is really going to go after you hard on that? Nah. You think that jury is going to even convict you? Mm. Add up all these. Add up all of these uh, factors of, of risk and. Incentives. And to think that there's no cheating that has occurred with all of that, to me, is just it's beyond belief. It is beyond belief. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. What are the limits of the government's ability to protect you from COVID-19? And what should the limits be of the actions that they can take? These are still two very important questions right now, and we're not getting honest answers. The people that are telling you, as Biden's top COVID advisor is now, a four to six week lockdown would crush this thing. That doesn't make any sense. If we had a four to six week lockdown right now, what happens in week six? People start going out more, mixing more, more human contact means more spread of the virus. So we all know that it's not actually going to be four to six weeks. Let's all remember that they told us 15 days. That was back in March. And here we are being told four to six weeks, and that's all that it would take. And if we don't do that, they're going to tell us it's Trump supporters and the administration, the, pre- the president's administration's fault for not taking this seriously, for surrendering to the virus. What are we supposed to do? This thing spreads like the common cold. We've never been able to stop that, and we're not going to be able to stop this until we have a vaccine. And a vaccine is an enormous tool for achieving, that's right, herd immunity. That is how you get past a disease. To think that we're going to get past it by wrapping bandanas around our faces and masking up in between bites of food is moronic. This is not science. They can tell us as much as they want that a 10 p.m. end to restaurant dining in places like New York City is somehow going to keep us all safe. That's idiotic. What this is are politicians who have too much power, a public that has been terrified by a media that was using much of the covid panic for political purposes. And now it's do something so you can't be accused of not doing enough doesn't matter how much this infringes upon people's rights. doesn't matter if it means that houses of worship are closed, that you can't go to a funeral, that you can't have a normal wedding. In fact, if you do, as we see from this couple out in Long Island that's gotten so much press because of the 34 people they say who got COVID at the wedding, they will COVID shame you. But there's no COVID shaming for important Democrat functions. You'll notice that. We have a big spike in cases going on right now Was there any shaming of the tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people congregating in large groups, hugging and singing and dancing in the streets when they heard from the media that Joe Biden had won the election? Why did they cease to take covid seriously then? Why was it no longer a problem in the moment that Democrats wished it to be not a problem? Is that science? BLM riots all summer and protests, large gatherings of people. Was there shaming of them? No, but they did find a 
Sturgis motorcycle rally that happened and claim that that was a super spreader event somehow. But not the BLM stuff, not the left wing protests in the streets. In fact, public health officials, including many doctors who are just people that went to medical school who are huge libs. They said that this was good for public health in the early days of BLM. You remember that? Because it's about saving black lives. That's what they said publicly. And now we're supposed to listen to these people. Joe Biden's plan for tackling COVID-19 is effectively what? Doing exactly what we've been doing, just doing a lot more of it, being much more strict about it, and then insisting when it doesn't work, meaning it doesn't stop the spread of this virus, it does not flatten the curve indefinitely, that it's because we didn't comply enough. We didn't do enough. That's what they're going to tell you. That's going to be the way that this gets framed, no matter what. It's on us. You think that the media and Biden and the Democrat mask shamers are ever going to admit that maybe mandates and government policies when it comes to stopping an infectious aerosolized disease are just insufficient? Maybe it's not going to work. Because if they really believed it worked, wouldn't they take more seriously their own mandates? Why would a place like Washington, D.C. give waivers for Democrat politicians and officials to go out of state as they did for the John Lewis funerals. You remember that various multiple John Lewis funerals. You could leave and come back and not quarantine because, you know, it was important for Democrats. So there's always this hypocrisy. There's this double standard. But the blame gets shifted to the disfavored party by the media, which is, of course, the Republicans and Trump and Trump supporters. I'm even seeing now this meme getting passed around about how Texas has, if it were the fifth largest country, or if it were the uh, a country on its own, it would have the fifth largest number of COVID cases of, of anywhere. And okay, Texas is a large state, big population. They're having a COVID spike there. New York City and, and New Jersey are the epicenter, the worst place for COVID-19 in the country by far, not even close. The worst responses from governors there, Governor Cuomo, Governor Murphy and Governor Cuomo's response, that thuggish moron, is to write books on leadership. And now he has shepherded us uh, through the crisis. And now by shutting down restaurants at 10 p.m. and never allowing us to even get to 50 percent indoor dining capacity. Now he's telling us that he knows what he's doing and we should all listen to him. This is offensive. I mean, the stupidity here is mind-blowing we have seen this tactic we have seen these approaches from government tried time and time again here and in other countries it does not work it depends also on what you mean by work if we tell everybody they have to stay in their homes for two weeks will we see a reduction in cases sure what happens when that two weeks is up the choices are either indefinite lockdown or we accept that people can have their own choices, mitigate their own risks, decide whether they want to go out or not, decide whether they want to do indoor dining or not, make these decisions for themselves and understand that we live in an imperfect world where there are diseases and we are in a pandemic and this is not a perfect situation that the government can fix in any respect. It's just not, right? There's nothing they can do to make all of this go away. That's where we are. Might as well accept it or just allow the government tyranny to continue, which is what's happening. 